evening, ladies and gentlemen. Are you ready for some laughs? Are you? everyone, it's Angry Depression Hour. This is Anything Goes with Darren Frost. How the fuck am I funny? And Dave Martin. What have we got here? A fucking comedian. Can you dig it? Hey everybody, it's Anything Goes. This week on The Big Bad Show, J.J. Whitehead and comedian Deb Kimmett. We do a little phone interview with her in the third segment. And uh, how are you doing, Dave Martin, sitting in with me right now in the small studio? How are you doing, Dave? I'm doing quite well, Darren Frost. Yeah. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I just got back from Ottawa. I uh, was uh, working the comedy club there, trying not to kill myself, which is always good about Ottawa. You were, you were given restrictions on your uh, your time at the comedy club. They yes. asked you to be clean. They asked me to be clean and uh, not say any dirty words, but on the website it said X-rated, and they had two uh, dirty comics on before me. So why not just hire Stevie Wonder and said, hey, don't play the fucking keyboards and don't act blind for the front row. Can you fucking do that for me, Stevie? Just for the show. Just uh, don't, don't be blind. Don't play that whole blind card. <laughs> Is that what it was really like? Pretty much, that, pretty okay. much, yeah. Just a front row of seeing dogs fucking barking at me. That's what it was. Uh, and also I did the Junos. We'll talk more about that. But we were talking before the show even started about this little thing that you have, this little phobia I find very interesting about Visine bottles. Now, you said that you you don't share Visine bottles. Is that right? I just, I just said it wasn't very hygienic. Hygienic. Because there's, uh, there's a chance that you could poke yourself in the eye with the with the tip end How of the How the vi- fuck do you put Visine in your eye where you almost poke it? You're supposed to have it, like, drop into your eye. Yeah, I know. It's not a syringe. You're not trying to hit a fucking vein in your eye with the Visine bottle. Maybe if I was on a moving vehicle. A fucking higher. Or- you that you've got to put it right against your eye so you make sure you, are you putting visine in your nose Dave is that what's happened I, I usually have a spotter for my uh, visine <laughs> but uh, I, I just it's not the hygienic you, you said uh, that you wouldn't share lip uh, uh, chapstick yeah but I don't rub fucking visine on my lips that's that's weird if you are that's well, why people probably stare yeah, at you Dave yeah, if yeah. you're rubbing your visine bottle on your lips to warm it up before you put it in your eye I'm or? just saying that you could poke yourself in the eye with it and, yes. then, that, and then you wouldn't want to share that or you wouldn't want to borrow someone else's Right. Would you want to borrow someone else's Visine? You know what? I wouldn't borrow anything from anyone that actually touches their eye with the Visine bottle. They don't know. They're not smart enough to do that. I'm not even going to shake their hand. It's, I'm not even going to go to their house. You, I think you live in a giant I fucking bubble like John Travolta and the boy in the plastic bubble. Is that it? You unzip yourself when you know it's a clear day? That's very, uh, very the top- smog is low? Very topical reference, Darren. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> uh, belt out some uh, Vinnie Barbarino impressions at the same hey, I'm time. I'm not the one who does that impression, Dave. You I do. do. I do, so, too. Look, because... fuckface, if you're going to throw it, I'm going to throw it back. <laughs> That's I so weird. Yeah, it's like I put the Visine bottle right in my eye, and everyone stared at me. <laughs> See how that works? I can throw it back successfully. Yeah, was, I can yeah. throw it back. But I, I was just saying, you wouldn't. I wouldn't borrow that because, and I, I don't poke myself in the eye on purpose. It's an accident, and uh, I don't want to. I don't want to get involved in someone else's accident if well, I borrow Visine. Well, I'm sure. And if you ever start doing that's heroin, you're never going to share a needle. And that's a good thing, Dave. It's that's been a good thing for many many years. It's not the '70s anymore when we could pass around needles and it was always free love and and uh, use needles. Uh, in the news this week, um, Donald Trump has uh, decided to let uh, Miss Universe. Um, how do we say? How do we even say this? Compete. Compete in uh, the backstory to this whole this whole thing is there was a transgender 
Or is she transgender? Well, we should probably know that before we start yeah. talking. But but she was a, she's a former dude, right? That now that's is better. Former dude, yeah, former yeah. dude. That's right. And, yeah, that's good. Uh, and Donald Trump is of course letting her uh, participate in the pageant that he owns, called the Miss Universe Miss pageant, Universe, because yeah. originally they had said because she'd lied on her application saying she was a girl and not a dude first, they were going to kick her out. And then there was all this kind of media firestorm about it. And uh, a week later, Donald Trump has now said, "No, we're going to let her compete." And uh, Dave was looking at her photos and was getting quite aroused well, by I was, the I don't photos. Know if I was getting quite aroused. Wow. She's not exactly my type, but at the same time, I'm well, going like, but she's a good-looking woman that used to be a dude. I'll yeah. put her in that. If there's if that is a category for that, she that's the category that she should be in. But it's it's a fucking beauty pageant. I don't know why people are getting. It's not like uh, it's not a dis- beauty pageant for one area of their body. Well, right? that's that's tr- correct too, yeah. Darren. But it's not like these decisions are going to affect anyone's lives or anyone's going to live or die because sure. she gets an award. It's not like that was that woman from uh, Kenya that used to be a dude. Or wasn't, wasn't she like a, a she-male, the one that like uh, was... Uh, Grace the, Jones? No. Not, <laughs> yes, Grace Jones. <laughs> right. Um, but no, the woman from that was in the Olympics and then she was like a she-male oh, right. or something yes, like that, yes, right? Yes, yes, Sorry, and I even, thought you were talking a beauty pageant. Yes, yeah. No, but, but uh, they made a big deal out of that. Absolutely. Because, uh, but but she, was ca- she was competing in a category and she had an unfair advantage. Doesn't, didn't she have like more male DNA yes, in her or yes. something like that? Yeah. Which makes sense because that's a competition based on a physical attribute, whereas uh, in terms of you know, ability to do something. Right. This is just walking around and showing your tatas off and there's no uh, you know male versus female benefit to that. Yeah. In fact, I would think it'd be a detriment to be a male first. And my whole thing is, you know, if she won, imagine if you were second place. I'm sure they'd probably kill yourself. I would probably kill myself. Like, I'm not sexier than that. Like, that, that would be a hard thing. That'd be a whole hard mountain to get over. If, if not like I ever, not like I ever would be this woman. Sure. But if I was this woman and I won, yeah. uh, right when I was, when I had my tiara and my bouquet <laughs> of roses, I would rip off my, just uh, whip bo- your I, I would just pang a rat right there for the whole audience. <laughs> just check this shit out. Yeah. This beat all you bitches. Yeah. Check out this thundercock I got. And What's uh, this even doing here? When I, when I showed the first picture to Dave, I actually went, oh, all right. Like you're like, I'd probably put myself inside that. No. Well, t- uh. I you would, you would have, you would have. If well, drunk enough at a bar, sure. But I mean, <laughs> well, that's anything for you, Dave. That's, that's I don't. Well, that's why I don't like uh, drag queens when they get too close to looking like a woman. And right. I always have that. Oh man, what did I do last night? Oh fuck, I did that last night. Um, I don't, I don't like that. I don't, well, I don't, know I don't think anybody doing. likes it. I don't think anybody goes. Ah, I was pretty fucked up. Fair enough. I just, I'm, I'm, I'm almost forty, and the idea of me finding a brand new sexual fetish is just. It's just too much. That's just too much to take really? on right now. Yeah. No, that's when it happens, man. When you start getting older and you start going, I don't got much time left. I don't want to be 80 wishing I fucked a tranny. You get it over with now. And that way, you know, when you're 80 years old, you say, I did it all. Uh, I did no. it all, Dave. That's that's what you should be doing. I'll wait until I'm 80. I mean, I'm I... married. You're single. I'm trying to live vicariously through you, Dave. Oh, my God. So well, I want you to fuck as many trannies as you possibly can and come back to the show and talk I about it. I don't want to do that. I don't do want that to. research. I don't want to do that. I don't want to be. I don't want to fuck a tranny. I think it'd be weird. No. Yes, it would it definitely would be, be weird. weird. Yeah. But here's the thing. But you know, it, my, actually, when I saw her photo, my first thing was like, oh, man, those look, those tits look fake. But then I was like, <laughs> fuck, yeah, that's, like that's like saying that to a blow-up doll. Oh, man, that blow-up doll has <laughs> fake tits. I want natural breasts on my blow-up dolls. Absolutely. And my trannies. Yeah, and real tears. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, yeah, that, they don't fake that. <laughs> no. So if you woke up the next day and you found out that it happened, what do you think it would be scarring for you? Thinking it was a chicken, it was a dude? Yeah, mentally and physically. Yeah. Depends if, well, I don't know if I would be, I 
I'd like to think that I'm a a, a top, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Can we change? Let's go into something else. You know, yeah. Dave's bunch of shit. for the first time in two years, Dave is I'm actually too early uncomfortable. And it's too early and I'm too confused. <laughs> that's okay. That's fair enough. Fair I'm just enough. saying about like if if you were to get with Dave, a trainee, if man. you were to get with a trainee at, at, at like 80, you would have a lot less years to regret it. So right. then I would do it later on in age. Really? By 80, you get with anything, I think you're pretty happy. Really? Well, yeah, I okay. think by the time you're 80, if you still can even get with something, I think that's a pretty good. I'm sure I'd be paying for it, though, at, at 80. By 80? Yeah. Well, Dave, yeah. Come on. <laughs> well, I'm going to leave that one alone. Okay. Because there's going to be whorehouses in Toronto, and that's what you're going to do when you're 80. Yep. There'll be the tranny whorehouse. There'll be the, you know, we don't know that about whorehouse. We don't, we don't know that for sure, but isn't it just like a gray zone as far as the, the whorehouses go? Well, anything involved with a tranny would be a gray zone when it comes to a whorehouse. There's no tranny whorezone. I mean, whorezones. There's no... <laughs> <laughs> I like your, it's almost turned into a football analogy now. No, it sounds There's like... There's no the, tranny whore end zone. It's no. just all normal pussy end zone. It more sounded like the, like the uh, Gulf War thing of just... Right. The whore zones. Uh, here's something interesting that happened to me. Someone on my Facebook posted a clip of a comedian, and they know I'm a comedian, and they're like, this guy's the funniest guy ever. And it turned out he was a Christian comic, um, and I watched his clip, and he, I mean, I didn't find it funny, but, you know, other people find that kind of comedy funny. I'm not, I'm not judging him, but he was a Christian comic, and we were talking about this as well, and, and you think that's kind of like the last kind of... I know, I think that's, uh, I think being a Christian comic is a true alternative comic. Because it's uh, it's so predictable about how most what direction that most comics are going to go in that when they're presented with a premise of just like it's like you know every time that there's a uh, a, a teacher that has sex with a sixteen year old student right. most com- if that a comic's going to bring up that premise I bet most in most of the time it's yeah. going to go in the direction of like hey where were those teachers when I was growing yeah, up yeah fuck those sluts yeah. I want to be a teacher now I want to get jerked up by my uh, my uh, math teacher or something like that you know it's just it's it's obvious what direction they're going to go in right and so it's like even a you know, there's a show in Toronto now called The Atheist Show, which I'm like, that's not really that alternative. Most comics are either they question religion or, or uh, they deny religion or, you know, or they, uh, you know, they just have uh, – it's, it's, it's pretty obvious that most comedians are either atheists or on the fence of questioning God of, and stuff. A lot of Christian comedy I would consider to be soft. I mean, that's, I know that sounds negative, but it is kind of softer premises and softer comedy. Well, okay, why does this guy does this guy label himself as a Christian yes, comic? Because yes. he talks about Christianity? Uh, I don't know about that. I mean, he does a lot of material about family and relationships and, and home life. But do they all relate to God? Oh, I, I don't know. I, I, I watched three minutes and I almost wanted to kill myself, so what, I don't know. What were those three minutes on? Uh, you know, it was he did a song. He did, does a lot of songs. Right. I don't want to hack on the guy because I'm, I'm like I said, it's just not my cup of tea. Right. It was presented well. It had jokes. It's just not my cup of tea. And I don't want to say his name because then it sounds like I'm being an asshole. But that's what he presented himself as a Christian comic. But he does, which like, I do find very interesting because I mean I consider myself an angry, edgy comic, and we all brand ourselves a certain way. Are you an atheist? Uh, I am an agnostic. Okay, so what do you what what do you believe happens to us when we die, Darren? Uh, I think we all watch what we've done in our life, and we all just cry, and then we die. Can we change the channel and watch <laughs> what, what, right. what someone else did in their life? That's right. Okay. Yeah. So you do you believe actually it's like a sort of like a the Albert Brooks movie? This is your defending your life. Do you believe it's kind of like that I, movie? I think I think it, it could be that. Uh, my whole philosophy on religion is that, and I used to talk about it, but I don't much anymore because it's so overdone. Is that you know I live my life a certain way, and if I have to live it a certain way just to get into heaven, I feel that's like a prize at the end. I 
That's the only reason I'm living my life at, at that way to get that prize. Right. So to me, it's like working at a company for 50 years and then getting the company watch. You didn't work for 50 years and be a good employee to get a fucking shitty watch. And that's how I look at it. As religion is just that watch at the end. I live my life a certain way. I, I don't murder people. I don't sleep with my neighbor's wife. I probably obey you know, five or six of the commandments. I maybe fucking break a couple of them. But uh, I think we all do. And uh, that's how I live my life. And if at the end, God thinks that I don't have faith and I've got to go somewhere else because I wanted to believe in a bullshit ending prize, then it ain't the God I wanted to live up to. Oh, so do you, you do believe that there is a God? I don't believe in it, but what I'm saying is if there is. Yeah. So I'm, I'm doubtful there is. I don't think there's no proof saying either way. So I don't believe in it until there is. Yeah, well, but the point is that there, you, don't, you shouldn't have to need proof to believe in, in a God. But well, Do you believe in God? Uh, no, I'm like an agnostic fighting right. with an atheist. I believe that once you die, you're judged by your house pets. Um, well, talking about judging uh, when you die, listen to this story. You, you left that alone pretty quickly. I did. I, well, it's it's been overplayed. Go? It's overplayed. Religion and comedy, I think Jim Jeffries does some interesting stuff with it, but overall, there's not a lot of uh, angles that I haven't heard done to death. So yeah, it's, it's not just a rephrasing of the same shit about how yes. we indoctrinate our kids at such an early age without them right. having any say in the matter. Yeah, and, but, and they uh, grow up to be fucking idiots and blah, blah, blah. Right. But it's this, but this Christian comic, he doesn't do shit like, uh, hey, you don't want to ever notice about the Garden of Eden? Hey, what's going on there? You know. So when I go to heaven, what is it? But like, he doesn't. Does he question religion in his comedy? I don't know, Dave. I watched three minutes. It was a song. It was like a takeoff of the Candyman called the Government Candy. Okay. Get it? You yeah. see the comedy there? Now you got me going. Now I'm fucking hacking on the guy. See right. what I said? Let's go, get off this topic. Go back to your piece of paper. Back to fucking trannies and what we're good at. You know what I'm saying? So this is an interesting story. Uh, a guy got caught drunk driving in BC a few weeks ago, and then was thrown in the back of a cop car, and he performed the whole Bohemian. Rhapsody in its entirety and uploaded it onto YouTube. In less than a week, it's gotten like six million views. He couldn't have uploaded it onto YouTube. Well, it's public. It's public domain. The cops said they never put it up there. So who did? Well, somebody. I, how did. did he get a copy of it? I don't know, but someone did. Doesn't matter who. The, the bottom line is, it's now gone viral. Everyone thinks it's hilarious. This video that this drunk driver did. Um, so I know it's all about innocent until proven guilty, but this has almost uh, gone too far the other way. He's got six million views. He's being interviewed. He looks like a bit of a douche while he's being interviewed and just kind of laughing it off. If, in fact, he did report it in one case, he drank almost like 17 drinks beforehand. Uh, he admitted that somewhere. I never saw that, but that's what the rumor is. So I, my problem with it is there was also a rumor, and I hope this is a rumor, that he might be going on The Tonight Show. Hey, so have you always been a drunk driver? Exactly. And my whole philosophy on that is I've been in this fucking business for 20 years playing shitty, dumpy comedy club after shitty, dumpy fucking comedy club, and this guy's going to go on The Tonight Show. I've done it all wrong. What I got to do is I got to get drunk, right? Then I got to drive to karaoke and sing Who Let the Dogs Out with Michael Vick and then punch a cop and then just wait for the phone to ring. Letterman, do I do it next week or the week after? I, I got to make bail. I just I don't just think it's that. that I don't think it's that. That's how it works. That's how it works. That's well. If he goes on the Tonight Show, but we I, a, I can't believe he's going to. We so we just we so live in a world without shame anymore, and we reward people for bad behavior. And it's like um, I heard that uh, what the guy I heard that the the Kim Kardashian's uh, ex husband uh, she was going to pay him off seven million dollars, just walk away and never talk about it. But now he wants her to admit that the whole wedding was a sham from beginning to right. end. Uh, but it's just that we don't, and they, those should be things that we're kind of ashamed about. Just like, you know, exploiting your whole, uh, like wedding and yeah. making a whole mockery. Of, but I, I agree. But the, uh, the one, the clip that you're talking about, the, it's, uh, I don't, I've seen it. 
And first of all, I got to give credit to the guy who knows all the words to it, uh, to Bohemian yeah, Rhapsody. Yeah. And uh, but he also, uh, I think the when I saw the clip, it just said intoxicated guy. Right. Uh, it didn't say mention his drunk drinking and driving. I saw a clip where it starts with him wheezing on the road. They pull him over. They put him in the car, and then it starts with him singing in the car. So front first, it's the front dash cam. Yes. And then it's yes the back one. Okay. Well. Yes. I didn't know the drinking. Now, that might be an edited video where they took that from a cops episode. Who knows? People can do anything now with videos. So all I'm saying is, you know, uh, it's an alleged drunk driving. But to even celebrate the fact that he may be guilty and saying it's a great video and it's hysterical, I got a problem with it. Well, yeah. I got a real fucking problem with it. Well, yeah. I mean, they they shouldn't reward the guy. No. But, you know, maybe I'll share some Doritos with Jay Leno. It'll be all be good. Have you always been a drunk driving? Have you been a drunk driving? (laughs) <laughs> uh, okay, we're going to go to break, and when we come back, we'll be uh, talking to J.J. Whitehead on Anything Goes. With, and Christina Walkinshaw sitting in on this one. Just rolling out of the gutter? No way. Us too. This is Anything Goes with Darren Frost and Dave Martin. This is Peter Klamis, and you're listening to Anything Goes. Those letter writing pens ready. We're back. This is Anything Goes with Darren Frost and Dave Martin. All right, we're back from the break, and joining us in the studio this week is J.J. Whitehead. Welcome to the show, J.J. Howdy. Good to be here. Uh, now, I'm going to be honest. We've only met a few times, so I'm not very familiar exactly with your whole story in stand-up comedy, but I know that this weekend that just passed, you did the Waterloo Comedy Festival, which is uh, a festival in Ontario that's kind of emerging into its did, own. Yeah, third, third year. Right. Third year they've done it. And, and uh, how was it for you? Did you have a good time? It's great. Yeah, that's my first Canadian gig in just over a year, I'd say. So, uh, yeah, it's fantastic. And so how long have you been doing stand-up now? Uh, 13. I'm on lucky number 13, I'd And say. when did you start? Did you start in Canada, then went to England, or you started no, I, in England? I started in Scotland in 1998 and eventually moved down to England and and uh, forsaken everything else. Well, no, why Scotland off the top? I was just backpacking, actually. You know, I went over there to find myself. It's oh. that whole, uh, you know, go find yourself. Turns out I'm a, I was a comedian in the highlands of Scotland. No, wow. but like you didn't have so, any, did you, you had no uh, aspirations for stand-up before I you... definitely had all the aspirations. Oh, okay. all I right. was thinking of bullshitting my way into Toronto somehow. But yeah. uh, it turns out I was, I found myself in Scotland first. Uh, and there was a great comedy scene over there at the time. Huge boom. The Edinburgh Festival is fantastic. I volunteered at the Edinburgh Festival. I uh, got the bug, started doing stand-up at a club called The Stand Comedy Club yep. in yeah, Edinburgh. Yeah, yeah. Great comedy club. And yeah, that's where it all kicked off. And then a couple years later, I told my family I'm not coming home. Now, where did you grow up? Where, where are you originally from? Nova Scotia. So you until that age, before Scotland, you were living in Nova Scotia. You went to school there. Then you said, fuck it, I'm going to go backpack in Europe like many of us have I've done. Yeah, it. well, I was, a bit, I was a military bastard. So oh, uh, my okay. father, so we moved all around the country, actually. So I split my time between Victoria, uh, B.C., and Nova Scotia. So every three years, we moved around, which probably is what gave me the bug and the ability to go live out of a suitcase in Britain right. for 13 years. Wow. 
So you kind of feel like you never have a, a home actually growing up in the military. So. Yeah, I was always under the impression that you were from the West Coast. Yeah, I thought you were a yeah, West a Coaster. Of, a lot of people, yeah, I went to high school on the West Coast, and then I went to Dalhousie University back east. So it's, yeah. Now, did you, uh, were you buddies with a lot of uh, West Coast comics, uh, like Craig Campbell and guys like that? So, somehow I, I get a Craig Campbell, Glenn Woolley kind of vibe from you. Yeah, well, that, that would be England, wouldn't it? So yeah. I think uh, Campbell moved out. To, I was already in England. I think me and Glenn Wool and Tony Law were, are the like original three. We right. were already out in England, and then uh, probably about what nine years ago or something. That's when the uh, Craig Campbells and Tom Stades. Mm, I think you might be up. wrong there in terms of that's when Craig maybe moved there to live permanently. But I did oh, yeah, these, yeah. I did the stand with Craig Campbell in '98. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I, I mean residency. Oh, wise. residency. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. right. Yeah. Just because, uh, yeah, because Campbell's been going over there for a really long time. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, and Wilmot, Mike Wilmot as yes, well. And, yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's always been, there's always been a, a Canadian. They always love their Canadians. Sure. In comedy over there. So, But you never had to go through that bullshit of just like, oh, man, I got my Canadian act. How am I going to translate it to Scottish or, or British or English? No, you know, I, I had to do the opposite when I started playing in Canada again. Yeah. About, I think I did my first, well, I did the Halifax Comedy Festival, I think, in 2000. Right. So I had only been a comedian for two years. But, you know, you know, you only have seven minutes at that point. But I guess when I did my first proper headlining tour, I think it was 2005, I had those worries. But they, uh, it was the opposite. I'm Canadian, but I don't know how to relate anymore. And you know, I'm gonna change some words and talk about Tim Hortons. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no. And that's the only once. hump that. Yeah. Now a lot of people don't understand. Like when we talk about Edinburgh and how big it is, I went and I went and it was like I think I said I think it was '98. I went and did some shows, and back then it was massive. I know it's considerably bigger now, but yeah. it's just so hard to understand that there's that many shows. There isn't anything like it in North America, really. No, there's nothing like it anywhere else in the world, even, because yeah. most festivals are by invitation and everything. The thing about the Edinburgh Festival, though, it's an open arts festival, and they'll pack you in wherever they can. If they have to gut, if they had to gut somewhere like this studio right now that where, where, where the three oh, yeah. of us even crammed in, they would they would gut that and throw in 10 chairs and oh, yeah. call it a show Because in, in, in 98, in I, when I played the, the Strand, or the Stand, sorry, uh, we played the back room. It was like this tiny, tiny room. I didn't even think yeah. they even use it anymore. But that's they had to have that for a venue. And they were like, okay, we can fit 40 people in here. Let's do it here. Yeah, I played a soup kitchen in 98. A soup kitchen. I played a real estate office about <laughs> five, five years ago. <laughs> A sixty-seater in the end, but it, but it was just a real estate office. <laughs> this year, this year I played. This year I had a hundred and sixty-seat venue, but it was the dean of admissions office in the university. No, so no. It was a massive <laughs> office throughout the year, but no. for Edinburgh, they got it out and threw in rank seating. What, when, when you played the real estate office, did yeah. they have the headshots of the other's real estate agents there? <laughs> and people were like, hey, when's that guy? When's the guy that sold me my house? When if, he's going to do a if show? If you pulled back the curtains, you, oh. could, yeah, you could show them all the, all the real estate posters <laughs> on the walls and stuff. But they do their best to dress it up. You know, it's like hanging the black curtains all around, black out the room. Um, and, you know, it's still, it gets all hot and sweaty and still raining outside. It's very, oh. it's Edinburgh, man. Yeah, it's, yeah, a, yeah. it's a slog of a month. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, and how many times have you done it now? I have done eight full length, eight full hour shows, and I've done ten festivals. Right now, in thirteen. And when, years. when was the last one you did? You did this year? Just did it this year. Right. Yeah, just did it this past year. Now you don't right. do the fish at like because obviously they re immediately recognize your accent. And is that how is that a hump to get over? Do you have to quickly establish? I've been here for thirteen years. And... Yeah, I've got a few colloquial jokes to get them on side. 
right. know. But it's a mostly an attitude with the English. Yeah. Just a, a confidence and an attitude. Stand up there and they'll start to accept, accept now, you, you know. Now, because you've been there 13 years and it's you've entrenched yourself in the culture and the life. And, I mean, I guess you probably can consider yourself that's your place now more than Canada. Because as an adult, you've, well, I guess you're 36. But anyways, 13 years is a long time. Let's cut to it. When you see someone new that comes over from North America, and that just does not Canadian, but even American, yeah. <laughs> it's got to be pretty funny to you to see them make the mistakes that they make and watch audiences eat them alive based on those mistakes. Because I remember seeing that when yeah, I was doing It doesn't there. even have to be from another culture, you know. It's just right. as comics, we love it. We love sure. seeing somebody struggle. Oh, yeah. So, uh, you know. but, but, but make those same mistakes, you know, that Americans do and yeah, at, you know, ask during a show, do you have, is it pants here, or, you know, right during a show? Yeah. Like, they just roll their eyes and... The worst can be the credits thing the, oh, yeah. the, the North American tradition that we have to list your credits yeah he's on this TV commercial or he's been on Letterman Ugh. and that is has the exact opposite effect in England if you start listing your credits before oh, you big come on deal stage, you can't yeah straight. yeah straight exactly. away straight away oh, fuck off I like yeah. yeah well let's see what you're doing now <laughs> right exactly <laughs> I like that yeah has nothing yeah. to do with the fact I have no credits either but yeah. uh, <laughs> that's I was at the comedy store. There was an American comic in, and I remember the DJ came came back to ask us what we wanted to come on to. And all four of us British-based comics, we all said music. You know, bring me on to Guns N' Roses, bring me on to this. Yeah. And then the American guy went, can you tell them I got the sitcom in the pipeline and that I wrote for Letterman and I've got appearance yeah. on Letterman? And we're like, no, no, that's not what we mean. What what music do you want to yeah. come on to? That's so like, you, we, we don't do that. You didn't let him crash and burn and just say... He did crash and burn. Oh, okay. he did, uh, yeah, he, he had a memorized rant. I remember he had a memorized rant against George Bush. That he just rattled off, and the audience wasn't very impressed by it. And at the end of it, he just went, "What? Don't, don't you guys know what I'm talking about?" And they're like, "Yeah, but now, did you, it's not funny." Now. now, do you find it like uh, like British audiences, or I don't, I don't, I don't want to say European audience, but do you find British audiences uh, tend to they can spot someone who is well rehearsed as opposed to just sort of naturally funny or like because i always get that i yeah. you know you know when you you can see someone on stage and so. they're you, doing... you were over there recently were you so uh, <laughs> yeah i was yeah. <laughs> you just, well i got my got my got mugged and i got my ankle broken in two places yeah, yeah. But we're talking to you jj typical english welcome tomatoes for breakfast and a little whack in the head at night good show uh, um, but I mean, but like you know, when you see a comic and you can tell it's a rehearsed yeah. bit, and it's like a be like beginning, middle, and end. The British like a little bit of lack of polish. They yeah. do. They like a the little bit of a hum and a ha sometimes. Right. Yeah. It, like a comic almost getting lost in his own joke. Because I saw people yeah. like that over there, where I mean, some people are really good at making it look off the top of their sure. head. But then there's some people where you can just go. All right, well, and you can, you know, when you can kind yeah. of tell that someone's going to call back to that bit later on. Yeah, yeah. Fucking. Yeah, they definitely yeah. like that. They like, a, they like a little bit of a flaw. They like knocking you off your game too, and then they'll they'll get more on side if they if they can rattle you a little bit. Sometimes it wins them over. Well, well see, that that's one they thing. They like seeing that you're flawed. Right, and also they they like it, and it's not like it's discouraged either. But the one thing I noticed when I was in Edinburgh that that if they start heckling you and you're really good at it. They just keep heckling you because yeah. they're like, oh, he's good at this. Let, we'll, we'll keep doing this. Yeah, and then they think that's the show. But that's, yeah. that happens in every culture, though, doesn't it? No, for sure. Yeah. But North America, it's more of a, you know, hey, don't ha don't heckle the performers and sort of thing like that. But they, well, I saw it was at the Gilded Balloon, I believe yeah, it was. Yeah, what, Late and Live. Yeah, Late and Live. And then well, Late and like, Live, of course, it's a policy to heckle. Yeah. So you go up there expecting it to be a bear pit, and it generally is, and you generally don't get anything done. 
And uh, if you can refrain from yelling at the audience and calling them all assholes, then you've won. Well, there was uh, my my favorite all-time heckle uh, happened at the Late and Live show. There was a woman that came out, and she had this one-woman show. I forget what her name was, but she had this one-woman show where she pretended to be Barbara Streisand. And okay. I don't... Uh, I'm, I can't really, I don't remember her name. Anyway, so we, so she comes out and she's bombing. She's bombing horribly and horribly and horribly. And then she starts screaming at the audience uh, that uh, don't, she was like, don't you think ladies can do stand-up? Don't you think women can do stand-up? And it's just silence. And then out of the darkness, I, um, I hear a voice that goes, all right, we've been very polite. Can you move on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't like, it yeah. could have been, it could have so easily been fuck off. But it was just so it was so British yet so yeah. I cannot misinterpret that. I'll leave now. Yeah, they're brazen, man. Especially in Edinburgh. Some of them come there to heckle on purpose. I've seen shows ruined um, oh, yeah. by fantastic comics. Ben Norris, who I think is a great British comic. Um I saw him get a show just trounced in nineteen ninety nine just by relentless heckling and yeah, it was pretty bad. And Ben had a beanbag chair on stage, which was probably an error in the first place. So he was <laughs> delivering most of the show from his beanbag chair, and he was yeah. just in too far a reclined position to deal with these two meatheads who had come in to destroy his show. Now, when you see, like, I'm always interested in the American versus Canadian aspect of when they go to Britain, because we are influenced by Britain severely in our comedy. Yeah. You know, what you know, we all know Monty Python, horseshit, horseshit, more horseshit. We, we can go over the list. But America, not so much. So when a Canadian comic goes over there, they're already kind of entrenched in what they can expect. But Americans can't. Yeah. And I think Which is some why of, I think there is a bigger clan of Canadians that work for the British. And the right. Americans don't. A lot of, most of the Americans just pass through. Right. I mean, um, I mean, Doug and, Stanhope and has done very well for himself the last probably five years, but there's not that yeah. many that you can really say. I mean, Mark Maron has gone over, but I think that's due to his podcast more than his stand-up. Yeah. You know, and uh, Dana, or not Dana, um, oh, I can't think of his name now. But I was going to say about, uh No, not Dane oh, Cook. Okay, good. Well, I was going to, uh, no, the guy who does that ultimate fighting stuff. Oh, uh, oh Joe, Joe Rogan. Rogan. Joe, Joe's been over and stuff. But I, see, a lot of that, like Stanhope's had got a great promoter. Brian Hannigan was yes. his promoter who lives up in Edinburgh. Uh, I used to work, I used to work with him at the stand back when I started out. He's a great promoter. And I mean, that's, that's what you need, basically. Yeah. Some guy to show you the ropes and get you into the proper clubs and stuff. You know, hook you up, which a lot of Americans don't get. They just come over off the back of one booking and uh, end up complaining. The English don't get me. Yeah. Right. Well, also, you know, when you compare British stand-up, I mean, I've been, I've seen a lot of it in, during my 20 years of doing it. There is this sense of, like you said, about not just looser, but things don't have to be so kind of machine gun punchy. Uh, there is more uh, room there to make your point. It doesn't always have to be such a, a razor-sharp smash, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so, especially when you have to write an hour a year, if you're going to do a new show in Edinburgh, you can't have oh, the same Oh, that's the thing. Hour. Like, American comics would probably get really annoyed at half the Edinburgh shows that are yes. big successes. Because American comics, you got to learn how to nail it out, have it nice and concise. Yes. When they do a 45-minute show, it's a 45-minute show. And, yeah. And uh, I bet you it pisses them off to go watch some of the, some of the British acts. It pisses me off, and I'm scruffy, British. Sh shuffling around the stage and yeah. waffling from one idea to the next, yeah. stretching out a five-minute joke to 15 minutes. 
Um, but that's kind of the way they like it sometimes over there. But also that's it's bred in at somewhere like Edinburgh because I remember even 98, you'd see it, and a guy would have a giant poster, like a rock and roll poster. Yeah. And all the comics in the know, guys, that guy's got barely six minutes, but he's got a rock and roll poster, and that's yeah. selling out. And then people go see him once and never go see him again because he's only got six minutes stretching into an hour. Yeah. And that happens a lot. It's a PR machine as well in Edinburgh. Sure. So if you got your PR team on your side and you can get a little bit of heat, you can ride it to the end of the festival. You know, it's a long festival as well. Yeah. We're talking about 28 days. Jeez. So uh, there's peaks and valleys. Yeah. The comic who's hot in week number one is usually despised by week number four, <laughs> you know, vice versa. You gotta, that, wow. you gotta have that sweet. If you can yeah. get hot around day 16, then right. that's a. That's what you want to have. And do you think that's because of ego and they're probably thinking they're the shit and that kind of cuts them down a bit sometimes? Yeah, the, the press will, the press tears you down yeah. the week after they build you up. Well, yeah, I, I so. hear it's, it's very humbling, too. I mean, I know, like even Mark Maron, when he's talking about it on his show, he's like, uh, he's like, yeah, I, I don't think I'm going to go back because it's, it's a real serious right, yeah. investment in time. Yeah, totally, yeah. 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 Uh, now, how, uh, how do you find it coming back over here? Is there any adjustment... Like, do you find, like, a North American audiences are more like, ah, oh, well, well, I love it. If I had to point. talk about Waterloo straight away right, yeah. last weekend, yeah. they were great, a smiling, optimistic, energetic audience from the get-go. It's it's like, yeah, you didn't have to, you won them over by coming on the stage. Right. So that felt great. And uh, That's and what course, a festival should do, and that's good that they, they've, they've accomplished yeah, that. Yeah, it was good. fantastic. And it was shorter sets as well. And off the back, see, it is like that thing off of doing my Edinburgh show for an hour now doing 30s, I swear to God, I'm probably doing all the same material, but I've just you just yeah. end up cropping it right down, and you feel really in gig shape because you've been working every night, and you haven't run for a single train or a plane or packed up to go to a different hotel. Now, on the way here, we were talking about just, you know, the road and the burnout and all the, and that kind of thing, and, and we were kind of joking about the facts of, like, you're like, hey, you should be lucky that you have kids because I'm getting tired of the road and, and all that. <laughs> yeah. and I said, well, you want to, you know, you just fuck a woman, get her <laughs> it's pregnant. the only way off. Yeah, get to knock them up. Knock up a chick and you don't go on the road. That's how it works. I know. You know? I keep trying to date and be good to a woman, and then they slowly run out of patience. That's what fucks me up, too. Start off by getting all excited <laughs> I, and optimistic. This is great. You travel everywhere. I went with you to Manchester last yeah. week. And next Next week we'll go to France for those gigs. This is great. And well, then six I, months later, this is boring. You're always traveling. Yeah. yeah I, well, I can't offer any of that France and horse. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> no, Jay, yeah, you, yeah, yeah, well, you, you got you got Kitchener and Barry. Yeah. Yeah. Come it? to Kitchener. <laughs> Paris, Ontario. London, <laughs> Ontario. Yeah. I've come had too much to drink exotic, driving home. Right, come yeah. to exotic Kitchener, baby. We'll we'll go down. We'll sit on beer crates downstairs <laughs> while we wait for me to go on. It'll be it'll be a little bit cold and stuff because there's no heater in the in the axe lay by area too. But it'll be Fun. And yeah, watch come me. To, I, come to Hamilton and wait next door at Hooters for me. I'll be right out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Watch me unsuccessfully hit on the waitstaff. Yeah. <laughs> um, what uh, do you uh, do? You have family that you come and visit when you back, come back here? Yeah, I'm going to do uh, Halifax Yucks in Newfoundland as well, and my family still lives down in Halifax, so it's great. So that I'm, that is one great thing about being a comic uh, that you can yeah. sort of use your touring. As a place to, you get uh, addicted, to visit. Yeah. You get addicted to it, don't you? Every every gig, you try to turn it into a little bit of a holiday as well. Sure. Yeah. Kind of, but that's also great, too, because you can get away from your family because you got to be like, oh, i got to go to work now. Yeah, yeah. And then you're really only going to hang out with your family during the day, right? Yeah. yeah. Or do you get pissed up with your family? Oh, uh, well, we'll see. I think my father's a good, still a good drinker. Okay. So. <laughs> should, should be a good catch-up. You know. He's got to get on Facebook and keep you updated. No, I'm still drinking. Yeah. Proper maritime. That's what my mom does. So. Still drinking, Darren. It's hey. like when you were in the womb, still drinking. Hey. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm expecting some embarrassing alcoholic. Oh, well, Halifax is a great place to do that. I know. Yeah. I love yeah. Halifax. It's yeah. so fun. You get all fucked up in the hotel and then stumble into the water. It's good times. Mm. Right, Dave? Yeah, you can scare some uh, children in the uh, swimming pool like uh, Darren. <laughs> oh, <right>. yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's not that's not a cancer. That's a shark bite. That's right. what I tell them. Yeah. <laughs> what? Uh, so what have you got coming up? In the, so you're, you're doing Newfoundland and then you're going back home... Then I get to go away, yeah, well, back to England just for two weeks, just for a little bit of a break. I did a seven-month tour last year. I packed my bags, and I did a whole Asian tour, and I did the New Zealand Comedy Festival, and I did some festivals in Australia as well. And uh, so that was seven months. This year, I'm not doing that. So I'm going back for two weeks back in London to recharge, and then I'm going to do New Zealand again. And and that's it. That's and then I'm going to come back to England and just uh, do the circuit. And uh, now, what's your favorite you know, place? Enjoy my summer. I think this time try to stay in one place for the summer. Oh, in England? Yeah. We'll have a fun yeah. two weeks if you're going to enjoy yeah, your summer. <laughs> small, small window. Yeah. What What's your favorite place in the world? Not so much to perform to, but you know you're going to do shows there. You just love. It being is, there. It is New Zealand. Yeah, That's a lot why of people I say that. I picked, yeah, I was like, if I'm going to do one thing this year, I will easily, I'll do the 24-hour journey to get all the way down there just to hang out in New Zealand for a few weeks. So I love it. It's uh, it's brilliant. It's the uh, yeah, best best place in the world, I think. And it is and it is my favorite festival as well. And economically, it's it's all right. I don't want to get into too much detail, but, you know, it's... Well, they're getting stronger, so I don't know if it's all right by us anymore. Right. But, but about when I did it for the first time about six years ago, the exchange rate was, to the British pound, it was almost four bucks. Right. So I felt like a rich man. Sure. You know, but now I don't, I don't, I don't think it's the case anymore. It's like one and a half or something now. Right. So... I've never been to New Zealand. I did a show in Australia and bombed the worst I ever bombed. That's was un- good. Is that true, Darren? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really bad. Because I've seen you bomb some places. No, I, it was what was so bad about it? <laughs> well, I made the classic mistake. I, I told a joke, and then I kind of rubbed some of their, their uh, cliches in their face, and I couldn't dig myself out. Like, I dug way too big of a hole. Like, I made this classic, like, breakfast there. Like, when you're from North America, you know, breakfast is four bucks or five bucks. You go to Australia, it's like $14, and it's a shitty breakfast, and it's like, I made the joke of, like, yeah, sure, you want to throw a, a shrimp on the Barbie, but why does it get to rape my wallet first? There and they fucking hated it's, me. As soon as you say shrimp on oh, the Barbie. Oh, I know that. I knew that. But it's not even Yeah, you're done. Yeah. yeah, that's not even the right cliche, though. No, 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 yeah, I know that. Okay. I guess they're rubbing their face in it, but they're like, right, you're done. Where's the, where's the worst place that you've bombed? Because most comics, as much as we like hearing other comics have great shows, yeah. we're only really interested in the shows where you bomb. Yeah, yeah tell yeah. us. Tell of us. Of course, aren't we all? Justify Dave's existence. Come on. I used to hate going to Manchester. I used to find Manchester in the Pretty rough. Heart, in the heart of England. Yeah, really, yep. really rough. Yep. And then, uh, and then those we, are my stomping grounds. Yep. Oh yeah, there well, you go. Chef, Sheffield, Manchester. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. They'll turn on you quick. They won't even pay any attention. My most recent, I and I, Leeds too, which is quite close to Manchester. Yep. I uh, at Christmas time, I was trying to do a, a Christmas corporate. Just at, so that was just a few months ago. And they heard my accent when I opened my mouth and just didn't like me right away. There was a, 400 people in the room. There was a group of eight lads at the front who just stood up and said, no, nah, we're not having this. No. And I just and I tried to go into my routine. I lasted about six minutes before right. I just turned to the audience and went, you guys just don't like me. And they all cheered in unison. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> but could you leave or did you have to be up there a certain amount of time? Yeah, I could, I could leave. They're, they're fine at Christmas time because, you know, Christmas, Christmas gigs are full of just office parties and it's, it's, you drunks. Know, yeah, drunks and a lot of people who wanted to go bowling more than they wanted to go see comedy. Yeah. And so uh, the the rule is like just do some time, give them because a lot of them are too drunk to remember what's going on, anyways. <laughs> so yeah, no complaints. 
I saw know. two guys fighting uh, when I when I was in in Leeds uh, ages ago. I saw two guys fighting in the middle of the streets, and then one of the guys was pissed off at the other dude because he stopped fighting. Right, and like yeah. he was like, yeah. and then, then it turned into a big yelling match of like, I I thought we was mates. Yeah, yeah. and then it's like, so I guess because they're friends, they should continue to fight. Yep, that's the attitude it's, over there. It's so fucking crazy. I'll never forget that when I was in uh, near Sheffield in a small town, I was at a bar. These two guys have for weeks have been, you know, just shitting on each other back and forth verbally. Oh, figuratively. Okay. Yeah, like, right. like, yeah. We're not in Amsterdam when you're telling <laughs> yeah, yeah. the story. Right. Yeah. I have to pay a cover to get in there, Dave. Don't worry about it. Okay. Anyways, they've been, you know, shit talking to each other for weeks and then finally went because they had their women with them. They're like, right, tomorrow at noon, my place, front yard, make it happen. And they just went on and went about their night. They had drinks, you know, away from each other. And then literally the next day at noon, the guy knocked on the front door. The guy went right, opened the door. They beat the fuck out of each other on the front, grabbed things and whacked each other with it. And then they're done. They shook hands and that was it. It was the fucking weirdest story I'd ever heard. And the reason I know it was true is because I knew the one guy. I'm like, who makes an appointment to go <laughs> for a shit kick? And the fucking Brits do. I mean, they, they pull that off here too, though. Don't they? Not like that. Not, not like we we like to fight, but not like the Brits. Like physically, after bars come out, yeah, there's a little bit of fighting, but not like Britain. Yeah. Look at look at YouTube. All those fucking videos of Manchester after the bars come out. There's so many goddamn street fights. It's nuts. Yeah, well, especially where the comedy store is in Manchester. Mm -hmm. It's in a place called Deansgate Locks. Uh, which is, yeah, it's just rough as hell. Like, you have know? you ever been so. in a situation, like, you know, people may know that you paid in cash and you're, you know, walking out of a club and someone may try to, you know, or even not like what you said on stage? Because I know other Canadians have been jumped for things they've said on stage in England. Have you ever had that kind of situation? Uh, yeah, I got a death threat in a place called Gingwick in West uh, West London. A guy came up to me after the gig told me he was going to kill me. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, just... I. I think I did, I did a joke about pretending to be uh, retarded in order to skip the queue at Disneyland kind of thing. One of those basic stories. Oh, that old one? Yeah. yeah. And, you know, everything came around to bite. It was, the joke was on me in the end. Yeah. Of course, it was a regrettable decision. Like any comic, you build that story and then sure. turn, turns out, bad choice to make. But this guy came up to me afterwards. He's like, yeah, my sister's retarded. Great. Bring her I'm along. Gonna, Let's I'm fuck gonna, her. I'm going to stab you. <laughs> and so it was one of those situations, and it got quite heated. Ginglick, and it was in it was in an old, uh, what used to be a, a urinal, uh, a toilet. You know, in England, how they have yep. these the toilets under the streets and stuff? Oh, okay. Well, in this place called Ginglick in West London, there's one of them that's converted into a comedy club. It's about an 80-seater comedy club. Oh, that's so fucking irony ir 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 in that. And uh, it was just a nice, supposed to be a nice little Wednesday night gig in the city that I live in. And turns out I, I wound up having to wait in the bar while police came because this guy was waiting outside to stab me. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> it's a great job, isn't it? Yeah. Wow, I love this oh, job. Yeah. It's an adventure. Now, okay, the, okay when the, the story that you told about bombing, you were allowed to get off stage. Yeah. Now, what's a story? Because... Because there's like it's, and I don't know if this is a Canadian thing or not, but somehow sometimes well, when we don't gonna, know. Yeah, because you, you don't do the time. Yeah, when you don't know, you, you see, you're like, well, oh, late in lives a good one. Like you're saying at the Edinburgh Festival, that yeah, one like you, you got, have to do the time to do or the you time. don't get paid. Yeah, I've probably things. done late in live. I don't know, maybe I've done it like I guess almost twenty times, yeah. almost twenty times in in the last ten years, and I'd say four of them were were deaths. Four of them were I just couldn't win the audience over, but I had to do twenty minutes, and you do just stand there and shrug your shoulders and go, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> I, I want to get paid, so uh, keep going. They used to agree with them. Yes, I am shit. I don't, know, <laughs> don't know what else to do at this point. That's right, I do suck. Yes, you did fuck my mother. I agree. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed it. Fantastic. All right, 14 more minutes.
minutes. Who's got hey, some more? Let's go. How yeah. many other people <laughs> fuck my mother? High five to dad. High yeah. five to dad. <laughs> yeah, man. Oh, that's a beautiful. I'm, yeah. I'm sorry. That must be awfully <laughs> traumatic to go through. Well, I don't know. I think uh, you see the joy on the other comedians' faces when you sit there. <laughs> you have to embrace the fact that you've given them something to enjoy for the night because that yeah. is what we love. And even fans love that shit because even on my DVDs, I get all the time because, you know, they watch the normal show, but I always put on shows where I bomb, like even full sets of just bombing. And people yeah. have always emailed me, yeah, we watched the main show. It was good. But, man, watching you bomb was gold. Yeah. Like, that, so even comedy like, fans love that shit. The comedy store in London has the death tape. They have a death tape that they've kept over the years. Oh, I bet. Of all the deaths that, uh, that have happened there. Are there, are, there, are there famous names oh, on oh, the I'm death sure tape? There are. There's, unfortunately, there's a guy who just passed away. His name's, called, his name's Ray Presto. And if you, so you can Google him or something, but look up Ray Presto. He's a perennial open spot. Um, so an older guy he just passed away. But yeah, he was, yeah, I've seen him die fantastically sometimes. Some terrible jokes. Yeah. He's uh, got, it's really enjoyable. <laughs> but, you know, that's the great thing about bombing. Even when they're, if someone's great, it's like the audience just doesn't dig it. They're not going to dig it. Yeah. And there's nothing you can do. No. It's, and that's the gold of it. It's like, oh, man, I've seen so many of my favorite comics bomb, and I'd rather watch that than see them kill. I don't know. It's a weird uh, fucking yeah, yeah. defect in all the comics. Yeah, you just don't want to smile too much when you shake their hands afterwards. I do. <laughs> that was I do. awesome. Oh, yeah, come on. Well, there's only, yeah. it's have <laughs> so, been there. You know, I'm, it's, like, uh, it's like telling someone, like, oh, man, I met this chick last night. We had crazy sex. It was awesome. They're like, oh, okay, yeah, that's, uh, well, not very interesting. But uh, yeah. And then she was like, oh, man, I met this chick, and this happened, and that happened and this didn't work and that didn't work and you know like <laughs> something got caught fire and then and her... the girl was gay and didn't like me uh, okay <laughs> all right those, those are my stories i know <laughs> <laughs> oh dave uh, i'm sorry <laughs> see i get awkward what, when you, someone calls on dave yeah. so, something about gay what dave told a story off the top I, there was an episode woman. that yeah i told yeah. a story about a chick that i was interested in but she kept on saying she was gay and I kept like, and then yeah. I and I kept on ignoring it. Well, that's so. still better than her saying that you're gay. That's true. That's that's, that's true. the trump card is when Four. a woman can look I you like straight that. in the eyes and I don't want to go out with you, Dave, because you're gay. That's a good. That's the bright side <laughs> of things. Getting no, Dave, she a, never called you gay. Yeah, that's so, at so least, true. At least this problem was hers, man. There's a better <laughs> so one, Dave. Screw. It's always those their problems. Yeah. There's a better one. At least she didn't say you turned me gay. That's true too. Oh, that, yeah. That, what can you lay claim to that, Darren? Uh, that I'm not going to go too. there. I like to choose to leave my personal life out of these shows. I don't know if you know that about me, Dave. I don't want to sit here and whine and cry about the girls I've never had. I just like to talk <laughs> about my wife, the one I've had. Uh, see how I do that? Yeah. Uh, see, now that bores the comics at the back. Exactly. Right. Uh, exactly. <laughs> Part time, I work at Hallmark. I write cards. You don't need to know what I do. That's what I do. <laughs> Oh, the girl didn't like me. I thought it was gay. I don't think I ever mind like that. It no. is. Uh, okay, well, we're almost out of time, but if people want to see you, obviously, then go to Google and put your name in, but do you have a website? What's the best way for people to get I a do. Uh, website's jasonjohnwhitehead.com. And, uh, yeah, got three weekends here in Canada. And uh, Where are you going to be for those weekends? So it's like Ottawa next weekend, then uh, Newfoundland, then uh, uh, Halifax. Oh, beautiful. Okay. Fun. Drunk on the street corner. Yeah. Oh. Nice. Eating all those donairs. Enjoy the donairs. That'd be great. Yeah, ask George Street where my wallet is, too. <laughs> all right. Okay. With your dignity, Dave. With your dignity in the gutter. Okay. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Jason, for coming by. Appreciate Cheers. it. Thank thanks you very for, much, AJ. Thanks for having Bye. me, guys. Thanks nice. for coming. Putting the word rap in rape. This is Anything Goes with Darren Frost and Dave Martin. Anything Goes with Darren Frost and Dave Martin. 
Okay, we're back from the break, and that was J.J. Whitehead, who now makes his home in Great Britain and was on a bit of a tour across Canada. On the phone uh, for our last segment of the show, uh, we're going to be talking to Deb Kimmett, who is a performer for over 20 years, Second City veteran and a writer, and she has a writer's retreat on April 29th on Toronto Island. So welcome to the show, Deb. Oh, thank you very much for having me. Um, so just give a little bit of a background. I, I know I know you, and, and Dave knows you in terms of what, you, what you've done in the last 20, 30 years, but just give a little bit of a mini-speech to let people know who you are. Okay. Well, I started out my career actually in radio, and then I went into Second City, um, and I worked there um, first as a performer and then as a director and teacher. And so I've been a playwright and written for TV and and obviously you guys have seen me do the debaters and things sure, like that. For sure. But, um, yeah, so for the last uh, about five or six years, I've been doing these writers' retreat. I, I live on an island near Kingston, and I just moved, actually. But uh, I've decided to do writing retreats all over the place. And um, this is my second one at uh, the Toronto Island at, at Artscape. And it's a really nice spot because it gets you away from the city, get the beach, the whole thing. Right. And the day of writing and, and trying to open up to creativity um, in a different way. Do the writers camp out on the island? <laughs> yeah, no camping allowed. You know my stance on camping. There should be no tents. Um, they, it's really funny because I thought the first time we'd get lots of people, you know, wanting to get out of the city for the day, but most of the people were already on Toronto Island the first time. Right. Okay. So, yeah. Well, do, do any of the writers insist on being like, I, I want to do my workshop on the uh, clothing optional beach? Uh, just, <laughs> yeah. It inspires me. Yeah, we should do that. We should have like nudity. Actually, writing is easier compared to nudity. Yes, we yeah. should do that. That would be oh. great. Now, for a lot of performers, they they generally turn to writing at the kind of not I won't say the end of their uh, their actual performance in front of an audience career, but there is that kind of like overlapping where it's like maybe I don't want to go on the road so much, so I find other things to do. Whereas uh, for you, it was a little bit different. You've always been kind of like a playwright, do other things, and performing. Is that is that pretty yeah, no, and it's really funny because I've gone through periods where I perform a lot, my one-woman show and things like that, right. and then I really go crazy if I'm not writing because I absolutely love that part. And then if I'm alone by myself, so I come, like, I'm kind of bipolar this way. I need both sides of that. Right. But it's really funny because I didn't do what would be legitimate stand-up till I was almost 45 years old. Like, you know, I was 45 years old and I was at the Winnipeg Comedy Festival and I had always done kind of Second City improv stuff. I know yep. it's still comedy, but sure. it was it's a whole other world, you know, as you guys know. Oh, yeah, no. The stand-ups are against the improv artists. I don't know what you do at Christmas time if you still send Christmas cards to everyone, but... We actually just yes and each other, but we never buy anything for each other. Oh, right, right. <laughs> you right. just take suggestions for gifts. <laughs> now, uh, yeah, Dave... suggestions for gifts. Anybody suggestions? Yeah. An object you'd find in the fridge? Can I think of, uh, uh, yeah. an inappropriate. So uh... I came from that background. It was a whole other world doing stand up, but at the same time, I realized that's what I had been essentially doing just in theater settings. Right. It was, yeah. Well, and Dave had a great point. We were talking about you coming on the show and how writing is exploding. Dave, remember this? Oh, well, I just said that, that we sort of, with the internet, and it's almost sort of a uh, like a, a resurgence in, in appreciation for writing because with it's almost like a, almost a second pr uh, printing press in, in just a way that like uh -huh. you don't really need to go to some uh, a big wig to get published anymore. You can almost uh, you can almost put out an entire book on the internet, and it can be seen and, and, and read in that same way. And so, is there do you find there's a greater appreciation for writing these days because uh, your your accessibility to so many people is is that much bigger now? 
Well, first of all, yeah, you can get a big, better market because I can, call, you know, I can reach people to talk about this. But there, like you say, there are a lot more people that want to write, and they can, you know, they maybe they don't want to be famous, but they can get a blog or they can get a sure. something they like doing, so they get that satisfaction of writing. And then, you know, the people that are, I still think the cream rises to the top for people that are going to be people that want to f- will follow them. But what I really talk about my writing retreat is that everybody can write. You know, it's just at the level of which you want to commit to it, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. And I mean, we live in a world now where it's 140 characters or less to get your point across, but long-form writing, and, and at least in the performance arts, is I don't want to say it's kind of not, uh, it's it's hit a kind of like um What's the phrase I'm looking for here? Uh, it's kind of like hit a wall, and it seems like everyone's re- resorting back to Twitter, how important that is, whereas the long-form writing may not be so important to performers. What do you think about that? Well, I think it's just going to go full circle. I think we're in the middle of such a surge of energy around people like doing the Twitter and all that. But sure. I think that art, and I and what really happens in the writer's retreats that I find surprising, uh, you know, when I first did it, I did it on my island. It was old, women my age or older trying to write their stories and all that, and it was always like women at a turning point. Any menopausal woman with a scarf came, and um, <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, God, I'm just about to join a choir. Maybe I'll take a writing retreat. Sure. And, uh, but when I went to Toronto, I did it at Second City, and it was all guys, and it was really surprising because what guys they were scarves, looking sir. for, 90% guys, under 30. And uh, I went, what's this? And then I thought, I think, and you guys probably find this too, you get into a rhythm with your writing that you can't break your own form. Right. And you're not taking any risks anymore. So what was really neat about the Toronto Island one and this, it took people to deeper material. They still may only write shorter pieces, but they get better material. Because after a while, you're just recycling your own thoughts. And after with Twitter and everything, you're not even recycling your own anymore. You're just like, I don't know if I said this or somebody else did. Right. Do you have, so, do you, I'm sorry. Do you yeah. have a you have a preference of who you like to have on these retreats, or is it like? No, I I absolutely find it fascinating. Some of these exercises, which I learned from other people, so you know, like I mean, they're not something, not all, everything I came up with, but stuff I taught at Second City and taught, and I refurbished these exercises that I've had. The youngest kid was seven. Oh and the God. oldest was 92. Uh, would you have a hard time telling a seven-year-old that his writing sucks? <laughs> would you be no, like, I'm, who's going to read this nice piece mother. of shit? I, I'm a mom, so I. it's like, what would you feel like doing? Could, you know, but yeah. this kid didn't write all day, and it was really weird because his parents brought him there. But then I did this the one thing. I always tell people it's easier to write about what you hate or who you hate because right. you know everything about a person that you hate. You don't know anything about the person that you love. So um, <laughs> he's like, what color are my wife's eyes? I don't know, but, you know, I know that idiot. So this kid, he hadn't written all day, and then all of a sudden, like I said, write about somebody you hate and tell me everything about their character. Well, he just wrote and wrote and wrote. And what, wrote. about, Mega, about Megatron or something? <laughs> One of the Transformers he hates? He was like, I hate her. But the thing that I found was interesting was everybody wants to tell their story. Sure. And so it doesn't matter what age it is. And a lot of times it's very healing for people to come and just speak, you know, write their story and speak it. But I don't really give a lot of feedback in a one-day workshop because 
you know, I'm really the person who's trying to get them started right. and give them tools to get out there. But with the guys at Second City and the people that were there, they'd already been taking writing, so we could start in the middle and right. go a lot further faster just because they had the language. Now, did did you ever mix up the, the diaper with the sticker when it came to the 7-year-old and the 92-year-old? Yeah, 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 I did, actually. But the 92-year-old, it was quite amazing. I do this one exercise, and she, um, it's, uh, it's about uh, what... Uh, uh, a taste does to you because I use the senses to activate memory and uh, she started to cry as soon as I went to pick out a candy maybe she didn't know and where she was be- because, because she was from the war in Britain and remembers sugar being rationed right, and just right. one candy took out a whole story so what I always say is there's a lot of stories in there that you want to tell but on your everyday life, you know, even if you guys sat down today and do your writing, you don't access those memories unless you're in a really sort of good, you know, like a, you have to be away from things to kind of access memory. Now, do you know uh, the, uh, the, the the retreat that you do? You still have retreats at your own island? Well, I did in my own my island. Right. No, I got voted off last week. I'm, I moved. I decided to do a going out of business sale, which I always find if you say you're leaving. And so we had a really big one in February, and um, I'm doing one in Oakville at a big. Uh, oh, it's a fancy pants place. It's beautiful. It's and not it's already on an sold island, out. Is it? And uh, the Toronto island. So I'm and I'm doing one in Peru. I'm actually taking one. Uh, a writer's on a trip to Peru, and we're going to use geography and the location to write. Oh. Okay, well, yeah, un- so- unfortunately, we are out of time, but if people oh. want to uh, sign up for this, where do they go to get more information about it, Deb? Well, they can just go to my webpage, kimmet.ca, okay. and it's under products. Okay, great. And uh, next time you're in Toronto, let's have you come in. We'll talk more about the debaters and other things. But we definitely want to help you uh, push this retreat on April 29th. It's a writer's retreat. So go to uh, Kimmet.ca for more information. Thanks, guys. Okay, thanks. Do you think I could sell a lot of yoga mats there? I bet I could, <laughs> especially at your island, at the, the one that yeah, you're having. Yeah, with scarves and yoga mats. And nice. I would just, I would tell all the 90-year-olds, just write about someone you remember and see how well that goes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay. cheers. Right. Thanks, thank, Deb. Thank you, Deborah. Okay. Whoa. We're going to come into it. Let's stop this now for a second. Can we stop it? Did I press that button? The space bar? Okay. The fact I'm going out west. Okay, you ready? Yeah. Okay, that is the show. I want to thank uh, J.J. Whitehead and Deb Kimmett for doing the interviews uh, during our show. On April 14th, I will be in PEI at the Guild Playhouse with Kenny Robinson doing two dirty shows in one night. So for tickets, please go to boxofficepei.com. And also April 19th to 21 at Calgary Yuck Yucks on a super dirty tour. And the weekend after that, uh, the 29th and 30th in Edmonton with Kenny Robinson. And Dave, where are you going to be? I'm going to be actually going out west too in, uh, at the end of uh, April uh, doing the uh, Calgary at Edmonton Club. Okay, so if you want any more information about us, go to our Facebook page, Anything Goes, and also there's new episodes on iTunes on Anything Goes XM, and what are the new episodes, Dave? Uh, new episodes are... Um, Gilbert Godfrey. Gilbert Godfrey. Uh, and we just put up uh, three more episodes, John too. Wing, so, Jr. Yeah, John Wing. And um, uh, there's, a, there's a bunch of new shit. Just okay. go check it out. And then uh, follow us on uh, uh, Anything Goes Ha on Twitter, and you'll get direct links to all the uh, past episodes and uh, new episodes that we're putting out daily. Okay, so thanks to everyone, and also a big shout-out to Victoria, our producer of the show, and, of course, Frank uh, behind the board. So thanks to them, and until next week, cheers, everyone. I smile and wave.